0: Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Father, we're before you now, and gladly so, and we ask you in Jesus' name that by your Holy Spirit and through your word, you would communicate to us what you have for us. These are important days. Today is an important day particularly. And so I pray that you would let the weight and the gravity of it come and sit on us. And uh, we would think hard and receive well Uh, clear the space that you need to in our lives distractions and everything else just kind of clear some space for us to hear from you and we ask all of this in jesus name and everybody said amen amen and amen glad 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 for you to be here uh we've been in this series called unashamed i just want to put a couple of things before you as we get going and uh, jump back into this Uh, the first one is the the verse if you will that is function as the theme verse for this um Uh, for this series, and it's Romans chapter 1, verse 16, so just let you get eyes on it right there. Got eyes on it? You ready? And I want everybody to read it with me. Here we go. You ready? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So if you grew up around church and religion like the Jews did, uh, the gospel is good news to you because you can't earn your way into right relationship. You can't behave your way into right relationship, give your way into right relationship, attend your way into right relationship. The gospel is good news for those who grew up. Um, around church and the things of God. The gospel is also good news for the Greek, those who were distant from God, those who grew up far from God, uh, those who uh, carry a lot of baggage, those who work through a lot of things, uh, those who have bags that they packed and bags that were packed for them, scars, if you will, on their lives. The gospel is good news for them. And so uh, it's good news for those who grew up around it. It's good news for those who grew up far from it. And it's good news for everybody in this room, because if you've got questions, if you've got wonderings, if you've got ponderings, if you're frustrated, whatever, the Gospel is good news, and what is what is the Gospel? What is the good news? It is this that Jesus has come to the earth to rescue you from all the craziness that is this world and all the brokenness that we experience. And what he does, by, how does he do that? He rescues us by dying on the cross in our place and for our sins so that we can experience forgiveness. But there's more than that. He takes on our shame. He bears our brokenness and uh, he gives us a kind of wholeness. And then he rises from the dead as we saw symbolized just a few minutes ago in the water. He rises from the dead so that you and I can have life and freedom the kind of life and the kind of freedom that is indestructible even by death. That's good news for everybody in here. If you grew up in a tough spot, you grew up with a silver spoon born in your mouth. The good news of Jesus is good news for everybody in here. So, uh, with that in mind, the two big truths that we've carried through the series uh, we don't define ourselves, excuse me, we don't define God for ourselves and we don't define ourselves for God. Some people create a God in their own image and it looks a lot like them. It, That God thinks like them, votes like them, Facebook's like them, and all the other things like them. That's not the God who is. We get to worship the God who is, and he makes us like him. We don't get to make him like us. The second thing is that we don't define ourselves for God. We don't uh, get to uh, somehow improve ourselves or, or make ourselves right or whatever. We don't get to say, hey God, this is who we are. And we don't get to say, hey God, I'm not worth your pursuit. We don't get to define ourselves for God. That's kind of the first big truth. The second big truth, we will spend a lot of time today actually thinking about, just like we did last week, uh, that those who experience God's grace deeply, those who experience God's grace deeply, that it soaks into them. They express their passion for him boldly. So the more we live in, experience the grace of God, the more it flows out of us. How does it flow out of us? In our worship of God, unashamed in our worship, but also in our witness to the world. And that's where we go today. So Luke chapter 15. Uh, we're going to start the first verse here. Johnny, I think I'm just a touch hot up here. I think that may be why it's not like like hot or like hot, just like my microphone is, all you people hush. (laughs) Oh, look, here's a verse just for you. Now, the tax collectors and sinners (laughs) were all drawing near to hear him. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes, they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to him, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons, righteous persons who need no repentance. Now just pause right there for just a second. Every so often the Bible kind of winks at us here. Jesus is doing this here. Uh, There's more joy over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who need no Repentance. And Jesus kind of looks at us and goes, Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? You, you think you're right? You think, like, the, the place where we want to live is the place where we are in consistent, right relationship with God, but that doesn't happen by us thinking that we're right. We, we're, we, we don't ask God to agree w- with us, we get on his page. Right? Everybody with me on that? Okay. Verse uh, eight. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together, friends, neighbors, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there's that same phrase again. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So I just want to highlight three things about Jesus, three notes here about the stories that he tells um, and, and the things that he's saying here. And then there's a very specific challenge for us. This whole series has been building to this moment. That's what I'm telling you. The whole series has been building to this moment. And I'm really excited. It somewhat feels like a burden offloaded for me, but we collectively are going to pick this up and God's going to do something amazing. Are you ready for that? Hey, this section over here, all you, all you uh, uh, extraordinary sinners and tax collectors right over here, we're going to pick this up together and God's going to do something amazing. Are you ready for that? All right, great. The rest of them will catch up with us. Three notes about Jesus. Here we go. Number one, he's magnetic. Did you see that back in verse one? The tax collectors and sinners were all doing what? They were drawing near to hear him. There is something profoundly magnetic about Jesus. We're entering in, we're six weeks out, give or take from Easter. We're entering into that season and uh, Jesus will start showing up on the TV shows. There'll be specials, there'll be academic specials, there'll be, was there really a historical Jesus special? At some point, somebody in the next six weeks will show the 10 commandments, which is ironic because it's about Moses, not about Jesus, but there you go. I mean, all of this kind of stuff, will, uh, just, it will just happen. Um, there is something that people can't shake about him. Now, they say all sorts of crazy things about him. They uh, uh, make claims that are absolutely not true. But th- anytime we see in the Bible, Jesus speaking and telling stories, and th- there is a crowd around him. And why is that? Because there's something profoundly magnetic about him that draws people. What, what is that? Well, I think it's because he speaks in a way, he lived in a way, and what he did for us by dying on the cross and rising again um, was so amazingly great. It was so great and so profound that it commands our allegiance. Not just our attention, but our allegiance. What he said and the way he lived and what he did for us by dying on the cross and rising again was so profound that it commands our allegiance, but not just that. I think also what we see in here, like, like these two stories right here, like the story that he would tell next, the parable of the prodigal son, like those are so amazing. They are so unbelievably rich and amazing that it also, that, that kind of... Um, that kind of teaching, that kind of life also ignites our affection. So he not only by his life and teaching calls forth our allegiance, but he also by his life and teaching, the amazing nature of that ignites our affection. It's one of those things where you have to stop. Uh, the, The super moon was what, a week and a half ago or something like that. And you, some of you saw it and you're like, man, that is an amazing thing. You just kind of stop and ponder it for a minute. So much more so Infinitely more so is the life and teaching of Jesus and the, the consequential things that he did for you and for me. Infinitely more so than that. It causes us to stop. So it not only commands our allegiance, but also it, uh, it ignites our affection for him. Secondly, um, we talked a lot about this last week that he seeks. He seeks. So I'm going back here uh, to... Uh, to verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So some of you are thinking, that's not very good economics. You got 99, you're going to just like leave them there and then go up. Why would he seek? Because the shepherd has a prior relationship, if you will, with that sheep. He knows the sheep's name is Bob or whatever Bob's or the sheep's name is. He, he's got a relationship with that. So he doesn't want that one, that particular sheep to be lost. So he seeks that sheep down in verse eight. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. So there she is seeking. She loses a coin. She lights a lamp. It's midnight, whatever it is, turns the house upside down, sweeps the corners, cleans it all out, trying to figure out where's this coin? Where did it go? Where did it go? Why? Because there was an inherent value, a recognized value that she had put on that coin. So just as you and I think about our witness to the world and living a life that is unashamed in that, think about this. Jesus is in the business of seeking. Jesus is in the business of seeking. And why? Why does he seek? He seeks because there is a prior relationship. He is their creator. He is the one who has uh, created people in his image. He has bestowed them with the an unbelievable dignity of being made in the image of God. Uh, uh, a, uh, a walking, living, breathing image of God all around us. That, that, that's, that's who the people around us are. Jesus has done this. And so uh, there's a prior relationship, but not just that prior relationship. There's also kind of this silver coin, this recognized value that says, and not only is this person made in the image of God and worthy of dignity, but also they are lost and marred by sin. This image has been uh, 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 misshapen and and distorted by sin. And so Jesus comes and he dies in our place um, and for our sin. So Jesus has bestowed value on them simply by coming and dying in their place and rescuing them. Why would Jesus seek? Because there's a prior relationship and there's this recognized value. Here's what I think is true. It's why, it's why tax collectors and sinners kept showing up. As you and I think about the tax collectors and sinners in our own lives and the challenge that Jesus is laying out for us to seek, to be a part of seeking alongside him, I think Jesus was successful at something that we struggle with. And that is this. He didn't see their sin first. He saw their dignity and their value first. He saw that they were made in the image of God, created by God, uh, and dignified with that image. And that, he, that they were worth something to God. That's why he sent Jesus to die on their behalf. You and I, okay, let, I'll take the pressure off of you because you may be better at this than me. I have a tendency at times to see people's sins first. I see them steering their life off into the ditch. I see them making choices that I know a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, are going to have profound consequences that they will not love. I see them absolutely uh, just trashing their life and taking the image of God that is theirs and the value that God has bestowed on them by sending Jesus for them and just going, meh, I don't really care about that stuff. And then just going up in flames. I have a tendency to see their sin first. Anybody with me? Jesus sees their dignity based on this prior relationship that God created them and their value based on the fact that Jesus came to die for them. Jesus sees that first. And that's why he seeks, because of this relationship and because of this value. And as he finds them, there's something amazing that happens. Verse 6. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 5. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders. What's the next word? Rejoicing. And in my mind, if, if I'm a shepherd, I'm not. But if, like, if, I, if I'm a shepherd and the dumb sheep wanders off, I throw it up on my shoulders and I'll be like, you dumb sheep. I'm, I don't even know how to speak sheep. But I'm, I'm walking back the whole time telling the dumb sheep, don't be so dumb next time. Don't wander off. By the way, I left some people, some, some other sheep to find you. So let's not do that again. Any, anybody got a lecture like pre-planned for the sheep as you? Jesus said, do this. What does he do? Speak. People speak. He rejoices. That's exactly right. And not just that. Verse 6, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. It's a dumb sheep. But I mean, nonetheless, rejoice with me. Look down at verse 9, when she, the woman who lost the coin, when she's found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just picture a little village, she's torn the house apart, cleaned it all out, that kind of thing. I mean, do you have in your mind something that you would turn your house upside down for? Your car keys, your phone, something valuable, something uh, valuable. a memento a piece of jewelry whatever they, they've lost she's turned it and she's like sweeping the house turning it upside down and finally she's like i found it so she sticks her head out her door people i have found the coin they weren't like us we would go you did what Why are you yelling just i don't know write a blog about it or something we'll read it later they, like they weren't that they came over and they're like you found the coin that's amazing we think this is awesome Way to go. They rejoice with her. Jesus rejoices. And, and look how he frames this. Verse 7. We're bouncing back in two between these two parables on purpose. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99, quote, righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 10. Just so, I, t- just so I tell you. There's that same phrase twice. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I, I love the phrase. Because I, I grew up not quite understanding the phrase. The way that I was explained was that when a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. But that's not what the Bible says. There's joy before the angels of God. So here you got the angels of God, they're like hanging out, and there's joy before them, meaning it's not them who's rejoicing. There's another entity that's rejoicing. Anybody want to take a guess as to who that entity might be? God. He's like, hey. One sinner repented, y'all clear the dance floor, I'm about to get it right here. I cannot wait to celebrate that this person has repented. Joy. And if 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 God's joy in that and their joy, the, the sinner's joy, is the goal. Because Jesus is not trying to just save them from hell, although that's a great benefit. He's trying to invite them into life and freedom so that they experience God's joy too. That's what he says in John 15. I'm telling you these things so that my joy may be in you, your joy may be full. Jesus is inviting them into joy. If joy is the goal, then doesn't that have something to say about the method in which we represent it? If you were here last week, we talked about Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. We sang the song together. We did the motions together. If you weren't here, I'm really sorry that you missed it. And heck, we've got time. Let's just take 60 seconds here. What are you going to do, fire me? All right. Maybe. Okay, 60 seconds. Ready? He's Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man and a... Yeah, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree. Lord, he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way... He looked up in the tree, and what did he say, people? Zacchaeus, you come down from there, because I'm going to your house today. Okay, you get it? If Jesus is after joy, does Zacchaeus, you come down from there? Does that elicit joy? If that's the goal, then it says something about how the method should be. And thus, Jesus is having dinner and attending wedding receptions and hanging out and taking walks and being awesome and it's why people loved being around it it's an invitation for us i'm just not sure that us wagging our finger at a culture that is distinctly and morally Different from us these days. I'm just not sure that our wagging a finger. Now, I said people put it in the ditch all the time. They end up in my office. People make a hash out of their lives. Hey, can we have some lunch? Whatever. Like, the, those sins are real. I'm not trying to minimize any of that stuff. And the consequences are real. Let's not minimize any of those things. And there are times when. For their joy, you need to have a hard conversation to say, hey, listen, I see that this is happening. I'm gonna tell you the next three steps are gonna be boom, boom, and boom, and none of that's awesome. This is the moment where you, for the sake of your joy, and because it's right, you turn, you repent, you get away from that stuff and walk a different way. That is not the path of life and freedom. This is the path. There are times when that conversation is needed and necessary. And it's where you have it but you're inviting them into joy you're not inviting them into you being right so Jesus question to us is simply this will we join him church family this whole series has been leading up to this moment will we join him in seeking those who are lost will we join him in finding the coin the people around us of unbelievable value Will we find? Will we join him in seeking the sheep, those who've wandered? Um, Will we take on the mission of Jesus as our mission? Will we take on the priority of Jesus as our own priority? Will we, according to Jesus, seek first the kingdom? Will we seek first the kingdom? If that's going to be true, a couple things I just want to set before you to ponder. You ready? Number one, uh, we need to repent of our apathy. If you come in here and you're like, hey, yeah, I believe all of this stuff. And, you know, yeah, that's, I mean, it's cool. Like, that's good. But there's not a response of, yeah, this is something we really need to step into, lean into here. If if there's something apathetic in you, then I just offer to you, you need to repent. Not like, you need to rep-. No, no, like turn from that. Turn from that. Uh, wh- why? Pastorally, this, this, is, this is where apathy really gets me concerned. When I'm apathetic about the gospel in somebody else's life, there's a good chance that I'm apathetic about the gospel in my own life. Oh, well, I'm doing okay. I'm, I, no, I'm mostly all right. Like, God's kind of a great add-on at this point. No, 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 no. That's not the life that we've been called to live. And that's not where life and freedom genuinely is. So let, let's... If that's you, you're like, hey, ah, well, you know, share my faith. I understand that it's important, but, uh, you know, let's repent. Let's repent of our apathy. And the second thing is uh, we need to surrender any sense of fear or any sense of rejection that we might be carrying or be worried about. We need to surrender that. Um, This is the way I wrote it in my notes, and I I said it before you as something to ponder. Rejection and the fear that goes along with that, that's all very, very, very real. But, but it, is a, it is a bitter drop compared to a whole fountain of sweetness. The, the bitter drop, drop of rejection gets swallowed by the fact that God has accepted us in Jesus. He has welcomed us in Jesus. He has spoken approval over our lives in Jesus. All of that is true. So let's surrender that fear to him. Let's surrender. We repent of our apathy. We surrender our fear. So, um... How does that practically look in our church family? And this is the practical step that we need to take. And so I'm going to need some extra hands here. Gee, do you mind helping? And Justin and whoever else can help me just pass some of this out real quick. I I need some passers outers. That's a technical term. Thanks, Becca. All adults. Now, some of you kids may have gotten some already upstairs. Um, You get the special kids card. Uh, here goes, Sonny. Here's some more. Yeah, there was a rubber band. I wasn't just going to chunk a whole stack at you. <laughs> and I will briefly tell you, as it's coming to you, uh, I will briefly tell you about what's coming. Uh, there's a uh, an emphasis that I think God is setting before us um, that other churches have gotten on board with. We're we're jumping on here called Who's Your One? Who's Your One? You're going to get a card. Uh, it's going to be white on one side, blue on the other side. It'll have a logo that kind of looks uh, like this. You mind putting that other graphic up. Uh, it'll look something like this, okay? And I'll explain this card here in just a second. But here's the idea. The, the, the idea is simply this, uh, th- that we as a church family recognize that at the very least, there's one person in our life who fits the description of the sheep who wandered away or the coin that rolled underneath the bed there's at least one person. Now, some of you have more than one. Some of you got 20. But we're going to start with how many? One. And if you're not sure who that is, then you ask this question. God, where do you, who, do, who do you want me to pray for first? Or maybe in your heart, this is who I need to pray for first. Anybody else need a card? Raise your hand if you need still need a card. Everybody good? You can just stick them on the back table back there. Thank you guys so much for helping so, um, who's your one? So th- this is the card. Everybody look at it with me here on this side on the white side, you have a, who's your one with a blank. And, uh, if you're a part of our church family, if you're a guest with us, this is not for you. Although feel free to jump in. The kingdom will be better because you did, uh, on this side, there's a, a white with a blank. Uh, this is mine. I've already written my name in. I'm just telling you, we're leading the way. Staff's been on board with this for a while. Deacons have been on board for about a month. And uh, we've been, uh, we are going to lead the way in this. Anytime you see me, feel free to ask, hey, who's your one? And uh, uh, have you prayed for him today? And have you taken the next step? I'll explain those questions in just a second. Feel free to ask me the questions because I'm accountable to this too. You're going to write the name down of your one. And what are you you submitting to? What are you taking responsibility for? On the backside, everybody look. These two questions. Have you prayed for your one today? And the second question what is my next step to help them take their next step with God? What's my next step to help them take their next step with God? Now, on a, I, I, we said it that way because on occasion, uh, somebody will be riding a horse on the way to Damascus and God will knock him off the horse and all of a sudden, whammo, their life has changed and you've got the apostle Paul. Most of the time though, the process is much longer of somebody being drawn to Jesus and he just brings them a link at a time. It's what, what draws them in. And so the, process, the statistics say that on average, seven it takes seven times for somebody to be exposed to the gospel before it really clicks for them. So um, we, we, we're just inviting you to step into this process. This is what Jesus is inviting us into, to join him. And this is the practical expression of that. You write down the name of your one. When you're ready... You don't have to do it right this second, but you write down the name of your one. And then you commit to praying for them every day and then thinking about what is my next step to help them take their next step. Now, what do I do with this card? Do not put it in your billfold. You know why? Because it'll get crunched up and lost. Ladies, please do not put it in your purse. You'll be like Mary Poppins, like pulling like hat stands out. Oh, there's mine. mine." Here's where mine is. Mine goes on the dashboard of my car so that every time I get in, I'm reminded to pray for my one. Some of you may need to take a little piece of tape and stick it on top of your computer screen, or uh, uh, in your phone case, or on your bathroom mirror, or whatever, such that every day you're committed to praying for your one. You're committed to praying for your one, and then thinking about what is my next step to help them take their next step. Now, What's the? I'm actually put this back in my pocket so I don't lose it. Um, what, what's the win here? Here's the win. You ready, Chad, sitting down here. I'm just picking on you because you're here. Uh, Chad sitting down here. Um, he he writes down his win. Okay, he prays for them. He helps. He thinks about next step. He takes those next steps. God opens up their eyes. They become a believer and a follower in Jesus. And we all celebrate this. This is an amazing thing that God's done. And then the next Sunday, Chad gets right up here in this baptistry, kicks me right out of my role, by the way, just kicks me. And he baptizes his one. Wouldn't that be amazing? But that's not all. Because he comes back by my office. He's like, hey, listen, that was pretty amazing it really was. Yes. I've got another one. I need another card. That's the win. Church family, God's called us to plan a church. If we're going to do that, we've got to be a family of missionaries. So if we're going to be missionaries, we've got to get better at this. We are an incredibly generous church. We do unbelievably well at serving. We've got to get better in this area. This is the challenge that Jesus is laying out for us. And if we make this a priority, I promise you, God's going to open up doors. So just this week, Carrie, I was talking to her. She goes, yeah, I was praying for my one, thinking about what the next step was. And my one popped in my office and sat down. And we talked for a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's unbelievable. That's so cool. I know. And two days later, they're, they're, uh, they went to lunch together. She's like, I just went in. I, Like, they just did it. It's amazing. Uh, my one that I'm praying for. My next step was to have lunch. I got a call Monday morning that says, hey, I actually got the day off. You want to have lunch? Nah, man, I'm good. I got some. Yes, I'm going to have lunch. So we went over, had some barbecues. Fantastic. We sat there. I just kept praying, God, would you open up a door? Would you open up a door? Would you open up a door? Just help me open up. Um, we're, we're talking about family. We're talking about life. We're talking about culture. We're talking about all sorts of stuff that just goes around. Right? And finally, he plopped a question down, and I'm like, that's not a question. That's an open door. So normally I like to draw stuff like with a pen and paper. I didn't have a pen. I didn't have a paper. But I did have straws. No kidding. This is true. I grabbed my straw. I said, I'm stealing your straw. I grabbed his straw. I cut it in half and uh, I made a cross out of it. And I explained like, here we are. Here, here God is. There's a, Jesus has to come. I did the whole thing with straws. It was great. It's just an open door for God to do that. You prioritize this. Guess what? That's going to happen. So uh, I don't know if you can see all of this uh, real well or not. If not, open your phone, zoom in, take a picture. That's fine. Uh, oh, that doesn't bother me at all. But I just want, when you think about taking the next step, let's locate your one and then take the next step. Let me tell you something about the one before you write their name down, if you haven't already. Um, let, make sure that they're in your sphere. Now, your great aunt who lives in North Carolina, she's important. She's important. Let's let's talk about here, somewhere, people that we live with, people that we work with, people that we uh, play games, you know, we watch our kids play the games together with. Like, that's the kind of local we're talking, okay? That's that's what we want to say. So let's locate that local person and then uh, think about the next step. So if you see them, number one, they might be angry at God. They've got an addiction um, problem. Hey, I was made this way. God is the one who done it. They may be, have gone through any number of very, very, very difficult uh, circumstances. And they're going, there's no way that a good God would have allowed me to do that. There must not be a God. Or if there is a God, I'm really ticked off at him. What, what do you do? What, you, you, you pray and you serve. My one was that until Harvey hit and our church showed up. And this is the quote. This is the quote. A year ago. We've been at this a while. This is a quote a year ago. Some people talk about believing and serving and loving. You and your church actually believe and serve and love. That's pretty good right there. Good job. If they're angry at God, you pray and you serve and change their mind through prayer and service. Secondly, if they're curious about God, if there's Zacchaeus who climbed up in the tree and they just want to look around and make sure you kind of check things out, uh, that, an expression, some expressions of that, maybe uh, having uh, asking questions, uh, or they just kind of linger presence. They kind of wallflower themselves into this place or around you, you know, maybe in your small group or whatever. They're just curious about God. They're just trying to check some things out. Uh, your uh, your exp- uh, expression of that, your, your response to that, your next step, is just to welcome those conversations. Now, they will ask some questions that you don't have the answers to. Anybody? Anybody have all the answers in here? If so, can we change you and me like trade right now? Because I don't. But you welcome those conversations. Why? Because you're not the answer guy. You're not the answer girl. Put in a quarter, pull the handle, out comes an answer. That's not you. That's not your role. They're not a target for you. They're a friend. Why? Because they have dignity. They've been created by God. And they have worth. They have value that Jesus has died for them. You're their friend. They're not a target. They're not a target. So you welcome these conversations. Uh, some that you encounter, maybe your one is actually open to God and you uh, expressions of this may sound something like um, they're willing to serve alongside of you. Hey, let's jump in and help here. They're willing to, even to participate in some things. So they're open to God. If that's the case, then what is your response? You share your story and you connect it to God's story. Hey, this is how God's worked in my life. And my story doesn't make sense without you understanding his bigger story. This is where my one is right now. This is where he is. So I'm sharing my story and connecting it to God's story. And lastly, they're engaged with God. This would be a some of you may have, the one that you're praying for is that close. They're engaged with God. And it it would uh, maybe sound something like this, that you're seeing spiritual light bulbs just go on. Every conversation you have, they're like, hey I think I figured something out. Or hey, I was reading my Bible and you're like you have a Bible? That's awesome. And you read? That's even more amazing. Or, um, hey, you know, I, I really feel like I, I shouldn't be cussing so much. You see behavior change. Light bulbs go on and even behavior starts changing. What, what do you do? You share the gospel with them. That Jesus has died in their place for their sin. He has risen, again, so that they could have life and freedom for everybody. Everybody who believes. So you share the gospel with them. We'll talk more about that next week. You locate your one. And then f- figure out the next step. These aren't the only four places that your one could be. These are common, common ones, though, and, and what a practical next step would be. So we don't do pressure, but here's what I'm going to invite you to. I'm going to pray in just a second. During that prayer, maybe beforehand, uh, if you already know who your one is, I'm going to invite you to write it down. If you're not sure yet or you're not sure which one needs to be your one first, that's fine. No pressure. There'll be some questions that pop up on the screen, and you can just ponder that. Uh, Frank's going to come lead us in a song, uh, and a, a song of commitment, really. Some of you may need to take this card and come to the front and kneel up here at one of these and just set this before God. God, here it is. Some of you may need prayer, and feel free to make your way to the back. We'd be happy to pray with you. S- some, of you some of you may need to give your life to Christ today. J- today would be the day that Jesus finds you and rejoices over you. And if that's you, I'll be at the back. I'd love to have that conversation with you, help you understand what it means to know and follow Jesus. So Frank's going to lead us, the band's going to lead us. We're just going to give us some room to respond here. You respond as you need to. Let me pray, and we'll go.